0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Subscriptions for Authors podcast. It's me, your co-host, Michael Evans, and I'm here with... Amelia. (laughs) I'm going to try the introduction. We're excited today because we have a very special and interesting episode. We've talked a lot about starting your subscription, how to market your subscription in recent episodes. But we realized that with all this talk about what to do, there's times when things go wrong in which we're having problems with our subscription in which we're not sure maybe how to start or where to go. So we wanted to create an episode where we share 10 common subscription struggles. We've seen this through, we're probably getting into hundreds of conversations, but certainly a hundred plus conversations with fellow subscription authors. And the at this point, certainly hundreds of posts in the Facebook group called Subscriptions for Authors, which many of you are amazing members of. And if you're not, it's free and it's amazing to join because there's lovely people in there like Christopher Hopper, who's dedicating his subscription like journey, showing us how he's sending out beautiful signed books and all these cool things to his subscribers. You get to see insights from amazing authors like him who are extremely generous with their journey. But I want to just dive into these subscription problems because I myself. Feel like some of these i'm like oh i feel like this is a problem for me so i want to ask you amelia this first one which you've started many subscriptions now and I feel like on the question of problem number one not knowing when to start not knowing how to start what would be your response to someone who's having this sort of problem with their subscription.
1: Uh, I'm biased, but I think you should start as soon as possible. And that might not be like launching it, but at least starting to think about what you want to offer in a subscription with your community and what your readers like, whether they like, like physical goods or they want to have early access to your chapters. Just beginning to just think about where you would like your subscription to go and then potentially launch it if you want to. Something about subscriptions is launching isn't as big as everyone thinks it is. I like soft launched, I guess we'll call it that a subscription in October or November, but I didn't really push it and people trickle in over time and it picks up over time. So it's not if like when you launch a book on Amazon, you want to get like really high in the Amazon Kindle store. That's not what subscriptions are, at least not right now, not where we are. So I would say start as soon as possible, as soon as you get that feeling of where you want to go with it. Yeah, I agree. And this sounds weird coming from
0: me, given I share a lot of advice about how we can think and strategize and maybe try and retool how we approach our stories and publishing. But sometimes we can get caught up in our own head with thinking and planning. And the best thing you can do is just press publish, press start and anything you're doing, no matter what project it is in life, because something is better complete than not shown to the world and if you keep it behind in your computer file or behind a lockbox for a long time you're not going to have that feedback that will ultimately help you have a better subscription and even if that feedback you're starting out and you don't have a lot of readers you might not even have any readers in the beginning you learning about what makes a reader join or not join a subscription is going to be more helpful than just being like, oh, I don't have any readers, so therefore I'm not going to start a subscription. Like, it's always interesting to find out what works and what doesn't, and you have to try things and be willing to fail, which is a tough thing to say, but I do not wanna make a promise or try and sound like everyone who's gonna start a subscription, it's gonna work magically for you. This episode is all about talking about when things going wrong, how we can make it better. And yeah, I would definitely say you first have to be willing to have things go wrong, you have to first start to eventually have things go right.
1: Yeah, going off of that, like you, a lot of people, when things fail, or people might consider a fail if they're not getting like a lot of subscribers at first or members in their community. But sometimes it just takes a long time to get somebody to commit to a monthly like payment to pay you monthly for something. But also like sometimes you have to let things go. It's just weird. I don't even know what to call it. But you want to give it enough time to get people to understand what your subscription is. But if something's not working for you, you can let it go. Something in my subscription that wasn't working for me for a while was doing audiobooks. And I tried, kept pushing it and pushing it. And then I was just like, this isn't working. My readers don't want this. So we're just going to let this go. I'm not going to do audiobooks for them anymore. I'll give it to them, but that won't be like a main benefit. And it, that's fine. Like it's fine to take things away as long as you're like open and clear about it. And yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, I was just reading this book that I've talked about in the Facebook group and I've talked to Amelia about it, and I can't stop talking about it. It's called Fans First. <laughs> and I Fans First by Jesse Cole. He runs this baseball team called the Savannah Bananas. And One of his rules, he has five E's in the book. And one of the E's is experimentation. And he has a goal where every night there's a baseball game. They have to try five new things to help create a more pleasurable experience for their fans. And he states a lot of them don't work. Some of them go horribly wrong, but they always learn something. And eventually, some of these experiments end up becoming regular parts of the show. And even more so than that, it's not saying that every experiment is an extra thing you have to do. Their show has evolved over time and innovated to always fit within two hours, but include new things so that a new fan, they're like, oh, wow, this is a cool experience. But an older fan who's been there is, oh, wow, this game is different. Each time there's a new surprise. So I think with a subscription, you're creating like your own little mini Disney, your own mini experience to your readers that extends not only to just your stories but beyond that, in terms of how you welcome them into your subscription, in terms of the community you build around that, in terms of maybe the other benefits you offer. We see authors in our Facebook group all the time offering like cheap, relatively small things that you can mail in like a letter that's $1.40 international and $0.60 US domestic. I don't know other pricing, but that I'm pretty sure about because I checked it recently. Regardless, shipping things like that, like the Pickle Patreon was something that an author, Deanna Aubrey, started. And it's been going really well. And she sends a pickle postcard each month with basically a message to her readers in the back. That's an experiment. It's working well for her, but each month's a new experiment of a new message and a new design that might work best for your readers. So I I encourage people to experiment and each experiment is starting something new and it's scary, but what's the worst if it doesn't work? You learn something better. And at the end of the day, as long as you're trying to prioritize your readers enjoyment, they'll understand that, Hey, that one, that was a little weird. That was not as fun, but. We still trust you. We're still here for you.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay, so problem number two is pricing tiers and structuring them. Do you want to start, Michael, or do you want me to? I'll
0: say something quick. I think this one's more difficult for subscriptions than it is creating a what we'll say like a typical ebook that you're selling a la carte. And you, Amelia, I know you have all these tiers. And for someone who's like just starting who maybe goes to your subscription, goes to the REAM site, and checks it out, there's a lot there. What would you tell someone when they're trying to price their tiers and structure their tiers they're not sure how to wrap their mind around that?
1: Start small. Don't start with five or 10 different tiers. I suggest starting with three maximum, just because it's going to get very confusing for you and for potentially new readers that you want to come into your like subscription or membership or community. And one thing, That you should definitely do. Your lowest tier shouldn't be lower than... It shouldn't be a dollar. You're going to get no profit off of that one dollar. A lot of people have been pricing their lowest tier at three dollars and five dollars. Those are becoming like the industry standard. There are instances where one dollar is a great tier to have. But if you're looking to get a big profit, one dollar is probably not the way to go.
0: And that's because there's payment processing fees that come out of that so when you actually have a dollar tier and we've mentioned this before but about 40 percent of your revenue goes to the banks it's definitely at least 35 percent. that's a lot of money in a dollar tier it's why amazon only has a 30 percent royalty rate there okay that's like the baseline structure of tiers but how do you know that something's not working in your tiers how do you know amelia you've set up a new tier at a new price point How do you know that price point might be too high or too low, or that what your benefits are not quite there? How do you know that there's a problem even to begin with in your tier structure? It
1: takes a lot, like we were talking about a little bit ago, of experimenting. And again, it's going to take a lot of time to understand what's working and what's not. Because if you have, say, three tiers, the majority of people are probably going to come in at your lowest tier. That's probably what's going to happen. And if you want people to, if you want your like higher tier to be more appealing, not as many people are going to be willing to spend more money. So if you have a $3 tier and you have a $50 tier, chances are the majority of people are going to be in that $3 tier because it's what they can do. Some people can't spend $50 a month on your writing or on your business, even though they might be like one of your biggest fans. Like It might not be doable for them, but... If that, if nobody is converting to that $50 tier, that might be a little bit of a problem. And I would say look at it and reevaluate it after a few months, because it will take time to convert people to the higher tier if it actually has really good rewards in it. That's
0: huge. I would highlight this point. I want to just follow up and ask you that. So if I create a new tier tomorrow, I have an existing subscription, maybe I have 20 members, maybe I have 10, maybe I have a hundred. I'll a new tier tomorrow. Should I expect a flood of people into that new tier on that day that I send out a mailing list of, hey, I have this new offer. I have this new reward that is coming out in this tier. Maybe it's hardback, cover books. Maybe it's special signed book plates going to international readers. What would be your answer to that?
1: No, you should not expect everyone, even if you announce it, A lot of times people won't see that announcement. They either won't be on your subscription every single day, every single moment. They won't read their emails where they get a notification. You are probably going to have to send them multiple emails multiple times in order for them to like, and in multiple different places too, because some people might be active on certain social media and some people might be active on certain, like maybe they open all their newsletters. And it's just, you should not expect everyone to jump over as soon as you make one post about it. It's like an effort throughout the entire month, throughout the next few months to get people to, to see, Hey, I have this, this reward. And a lot of people, like, even on my subscription, they don't know that I have these higher tiers that they can subscribe to. Like, even after five months, and that might be on my part, but I've tried to tell them multiple times and. Some at some place like it gets lost, so it's very important to continue to, to tell people about your rewards and what you're offering.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting because how you actually like tell them about your rewards without like constantly selling them already supporting you, I think is a tough balance to strike. What would be your advice on that? Because I can imagine it being very annoying as a reader being like, Okay, I'm part of this author's subscription at a five dollar tier, which to me is. Like, a lot of money and you as an author might not know what's a lot of money to reader, like a reader might never be able to afford your $25 tier. There's no way to segment that out in your mailing list of, oh yeah, this reader can't afford them. So you're going to want to let all your readers know, but I could see where the hesitance comes in from authors about you, you have these two extremes. How do I stop myself from selling always, but then stop myself from never mentioning it because I'm afraid for asking my readers for more money who are already paying me. How do you get over that hurdle and how do you actually manage that when you talk to your readers?
1: Yeah, it's really hard because I know it's very hard for me to just like constantly talk about it. And you don't want to talk about it like you're trying to sell them because again, these are people who are already bought into your community. They're paying you monthly and you don't want to take advantage of like your biggest fans. You want to, you don't want to like grab money from them constantly because that's just not cool. If somebody did that to you, you'd be like, I'm turned off now, I'm gonna leave. But what I do is I just if I'm working on a book and I have a art print that's coming out in my $25 tier, at the end of the chapter I put in my lower tiers, I'll be like, hey, this month I have an art print of these two characters that you just read about. If you'd like to get that art print, you could only get it in this specific tier. And other than that, it's not it's not like super pushy. You're not trying to try to push it on your reader. You're just like letting them know, hey. I have benefits that you might enjoy because you're reading the specific book. And I know on Ream, we do something similar to upsell your customer. So if your customer is reading a specific book with, we call it early access to a book on a $3 tier, but you have even earlier access on a $5 tier, when they get to that earlier access, it's blocked off. And it says, if you want to subscribe, or if you want to read this next chapter right now, you can subscribe to like the $5 tier and you get that access. So that's something that kind of helps you out.
0: It's always nice when you have a platform and a brand that isn't yours directly, that's helping assist charging your readers. Because you can always say, oh, that's a ream thing, which it is. We did build that to help you ultimately and help your readers connect and hopefully help you make some more money. But yeah, building those kinds of things into it is how we've tried to offload some of that pressure because it's difficult to feel like you're constantly promoting as an author when you just want to create and be a part of your readers community and give them awesome experiences. Yet the other side to that is that if you are just focused on that and never at one point decide to be like, Hey, I have this thing that you could buy or support me with, if you never do that sort of asking for money at some point, everything's always free, then you might not be able to build a career with it. And that's totally fine. There's so many artists who are very happy to not have a career, like that pays them money doing what they love, or they are happy with how much they're making right now and don't want to entertain a new business model or revenue stream. But for the people who would like to make more money doing what they love and would like to provide additional value to their fans, that's why you're listening to this podcast. So let's talk to problem number three, which we've touched on a bit, but it's also a little bit different here, which is I'm having trouble marketing my subscription. I'm having trouble getting people to join. And let's say that this isn't a pricing problem. This isn't a structure of the tier problems. This is I'm having trouble getting people to actually know about it, to even click on the page to eventually subscribe. How can we help an author solve that problem?
1: A lot of people think that the way to market a subscription is on social media. And it could be if your audience is active on social media. But if you don't already have an engaged audience on Instagram or an engaged audience on Facebook or TikTok that you're connecting with, that you want to be part of your community, then that's probably not the best to market your subscription. If you have a newsletter and people are very active on it and they might not even like email you back, but they're consistently opening your stuff and they're clicking on your buttons, That would be a great place to say, hey, here's my subscription. Here are the benefits. Why don't you take a look at it? But if your audience is not there, find where your audience is.
0: I also want to even elaborate a bit more on your point with the button clicking thing in the newsletters, because some people are like super deep into newsletters. And some people are like, I just send out one email. I have one big list. I don't segment at all. I don't think it's necessary as an author to segment your list a bunch. For those who don't know what segmenting is, it's just breaking your list up into different sections based on predefined parameters. So you could set a segment of people who regularly open your emails. So if they open three emails on average each month, they become part of a segment. You could create a segment or a group. It depends the language on what email software you use, but you could create a group in almost every email software that says, if this person with an email clicks on X button, they will then get added to this group. And then you just automatically, they may be not one of your super fans. Cause you say that they click on the button of a new release regularly. That's a way that you could do what Amelia is talking about and not have to literally think, wait, what are the specific emails, those super fans. Now it would be cool to create something special to them and be like, Hey, I know you love my work. You're one of the few people who like is getting this invite first. Do you want to get that? that? I see that being an opportunity if you're someone who's like super deep into mailing lists. But if not, maybe you're on Instagram and you've had a list of people who've direct messaged you in the past. Or even on Facebook, for instance. And those are people that, oh, maybe that's someone that, you might not want to literally reach out to them over direct message with a link. That might not be the taste that you want to go for. But maybe you add them to an Instagram group or a Facebook messenger group. Maybe you tag them in a special post and do something special for them and say, Hey, I want to send you these special notes and as a thank you for being a fan. And then in the end of the note, you invite them in to your subscription or something like that. Be tasteful with it. Don't just find your biggest fans and send them to subscription link, but warm them up to it, create a story that gets them excited about what's inside, which could literally be giving away some of your chapters that are going to be inside. Here's the first three chapters of my new book. You're one of my biggest fans, so I want to send it to you early. They get to the end, they see a link that says to continue reading, join your subscription. That's tasteful to me. Other authors might have different things they find are interesting. That's what makes this beautiful. And your readers might have different things that they find interesting. That's also what makes this fun. But I definitely would approach it from, think about you being a reader and getting a message from an author. Would you like to receive just a link that says, I'm ready for you to start paying me monthly? I know you're ready to get paid monthly author, but I don't want to pay you monthly. Make that person really understand what you're doing. And with that said, people want to support you, right? But then let them know, this is an opportunity to support me. This is direct sales on Amazon. They keep 30% of my income here. I get a higher share of my income. I get a direct relationship with you. And I would just love to be able to have that extra support and do more work. That's much better than just a subscription.
1: Yeah. And going off of that, make sure you really understand who you want to be joining your subscription. I've seen, I know a couple people who promote their subscription, their books, their book subscription to other authors. And to me as an author, I don't want to join another author's subscription just because I'm like friends with them. I would like to join a subscription because I'm invested in the material. I'm invested in the book already, not just because oh she's one of my friends. That's bad, but like I'll support my friends. But at the same time, like if I'm putting myself in the reader's shoes, I'm more likely to join somebody's membership if I care about what they're offering and if I care about the material and stories they're writing.
0: Yes, I agree. And one caveat I would add to that: is some of my favorite authors are. I'm an author myself, so I have my own favorite authors that I like to support, and I also am on a few subscriptions for a few authors, so there is an overlap, but it's probably not your only audience, and there's probably more readers out there for you who aren't authors than readers who also happen to be authors, but I do know that, especially in the beginning as well, building relationships with other authors that you work to uplift each other, that that can be great.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I think that is awesome, but if you're just like cold messaging people and say, "Hey, join my subscription," like other authors that you like have never talked to before, that might be a little. I don't recommend that.
0: I also want to maybe save authors some struggle because I've seen this strategy. People have talked about it, and as an owner of a subscription platform, me and Amelia both run Ream. It's always nice to we want people subscribing to things, but I would not recommend you doing a cross promotion, subscribe thing to all your fellow authors that you build social proof in your subscription, you could, but why I personally don't recommend it is because I don't know if the difference between having five and zero subscribers will make a huge difference. If you could just hide the subscriber count in the beginning, because unfortunately doing all of that could create an awkward situation for some authors, especially if they're not really close friends where it's, I don't want to be paying $5 a month to all these five authors forever. But when do I unsubscribe? When do I do that sort of thing? And if you're like close friends, family, things like that, you could always do that sort of thing. Just like having friends and family buy, buy books in the beginning. But I do want to caution people around literally subscribing to authors that they may know well, but not really well entering a monthly payment with them because they can see when you unsubscribe and. If there's an expectation that isn't set very clearly of, ooh, we're doing this for 90 days, I worry that could damage some relationships. I don't know if it's going to actually benefit your subscription that much. So I just wanted to add that point because I've seen a few people do it. I understand where it comes from, but some caveats to it.
1: Yes, I agree. And I guess that kind of gets into our fourth problem, which is, all right, I've set up the subscription, but people aren't joining. What's going on? Yeah.
0: So let's say like people are going to your page and you know it, you can see that they've clicked, you've promoted it to your readers. People are reading maybe your story on a platform like Wattpad or Railroad or Radish and you're getting all these reads and you're promoting your subscription for early access to go read there and no one's joining. That that's that, This one's hard. I want to ask Amelia, like when you've seen this happen, like what could be going wrong? Is there normal things to look out for, or is it really all just very personal?
1: I think there are a lot of factors that go into it. So first you want to look at your pricing and what you're offering and make sure it's reasonable. If you have a $50 tier and you're giving them one chapter, $1,000, (laughs) 1,000 word chapter a month, that might not be reasonable to a lot of people. So that that would be the first thing I look at. But also you have to look at where you're directing people like where are these people that you're directing to your subscription coming from if they're coming from Wattpad and Royal Road like these people or readers are used to reading books for free and this is like a very successful model to bring people from Wattpad and Royal Road over to your subscription but I would say like the majority of people who go come over just to look aren't going to join you're going to get a certain percentage of them to look at your subscription and actually subscribe or become a member of your community. But the majority of them are not going to subscribe because they are coming from a free platform. But if you're leading someone to your subscription from maybe like the back of a book that they've paid for, that could be different. And I haven't tried that, so I can't really give any background on that or anything. So yeah, I would say look at those two factors as you're seeing hey people are joining people are not joining what's going on
0: yeah i think that's a really good point you want to set the expectation of how much do you expect to to join anyways because not every not every like stream of readers is created equal in the sense of being able to subscribe i think for myself what i oftentimes view with authors is that they when they're they have around 10 to 20 subscribers in that range of you've started something you have some readers but you're maybe not getting, you've gotten like your few core fans, but the rest aren't joining. I sometimes think people can be a little bit too quick to assume failure and assume that people aren't joining because a lot of times building like that core group of 10, 20 people who for the record might be paying you now anywhere from 50 to hundred dollars a month when you add up all of that, that can be pretty substantial just in and of itself. But if you really work on serving those readers, they do talk and we just see even ellis she posted in the subscriptions for facebook group about how in her subscription she, she has her readers there and has a community of like super inner fans but one of those people posted in her other community on facebook group that's public so any reader can be a part of it so it's free and posted about her subscription and was like so excited about it and what she'd gotten and that's like the best marketing you could ever ask for as an author like You delight your readers inside your subscription and then they tell your other readers about it because the best thing a fan wants is to invite more people into that feeling of fandom that they have. but you first have to really work on nurturing that. Now, if you don't have 10 or 20 people in your subscription, if you're like have zero and you're like, okay, this isn't working, I really want to get to the point where I can't even have a few people to begin that process with, then I would go back to, especially if people are clicking on your subscription and think, where is there a disconnect? Does my copy make sense? Is the message that I'm leading them here, is the expectation being fulfilled on this page? Am I talking about my new book that you're going to get inside your subscription, and then that isn't mentioned at all on your tier and not and at all on your subscription page? That would confuse me as a reader because i'd be like wait i was so excited to get early access to this book where is it again i'm confused i'm leaving
1: yeah going off that you have to be very clear that's something i've learned even i'm still learning you have to be very clear with what you're offering in your tiers and very clear when you communicate what you're offering like through email so for example i'm migrating people over to my ream right now and a lot of people are just like oh so are these like do we get the same things on uh, from patreon that we like do do you offer the same things on patreon that you do on ream and i'm just like yeah but when i emailed them initially i didn't mention that it was like in my mind yes in the tiers on the page it says you get the exact same thing but in that email that i sent to them i didn't explain you get the same thing i said here are the benefits of joining but i was like for some reason i just didn't mention it and I've had messages like that and i've also had messages other places that are basically like the tiers were confusing like i didn't know which books i was going to get and which tiers so make sure your tiers are really laid out and they say exactly what you want and your messaging is very clear to your readers
0: yeah that's key and it's not easy i don't want to pretend like it's easy and we have a subscription starter guide releasing soon that Gives you a high overview of a lot of this stuff and goes into detail in a lot of it, but unfortunately, like a whole copywriting class, like we'll have to do an episode on that. We could actually, we should do a full episode. I'm thinking about this now on just a write good copy for your subscription. Um, because I don't think we have dove in deeply on that yet. And I don't think this is the space we should probably move on to the next problem. However, just know that I understand when we say, make it clear, it's how do I do that? There are some best copywriting practices. Keeping it simple is always good, but yeah, we should, we're going to dive more into that one, but let's go to problem five. Let's go to problem five. So this one's all about consistency, whether it's I'm having trouble remaining consistent, how do I remain consistent? I'm afraid I can't be consistent yet. I feel like I need to, because it's a subscription and they're getting something recurring from me. So mind explosion, what do I do?
1: Oh, I think like a lot of these depend person on person and what kind of model you're using. So for example, remaining consistent in a early access model could be difficult depending on how many how many chapters early access you're giving your readers every single week or every single month. And this kind of ties into problem six, which is don't over If you don't think you can be consistent with releasing like 10 chapters a month, don't promise 10 chapters a month. Promise what you can do. If you could only write a chapter a month, only write a chapter a month and people will subscribe. Right now I'm running a graphic novel subscription and I'm only releasing one chapter a month. And I was like, nobody's going to join because it's one chapter. But people are joining like every single day and it's crazy. But if people really want the content, they will join for it. And if you create like that experience in that community where people want to be in, they'll want to join.
0: That's a lot of great insights there. I love it. I think the one chapter thing and you sharing that's really interesting because a lot of times authors do feel like a pressure of, is it two to three chapters a week that I should do? Is it a few chapters a month, at least one a week? And people are searching for a number. And I I think that there is no number. And that's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. I know. <laughs> I like, I hate, you're going to like, you're screaming at us now. I know you're like, ah, oh, you're so annoying, but it, it's true, right? The, idea of the description is that you have the as an author to give your readers what they want. And your readers don't just want set amount of content. Let's be real here. If your readers just wanted a guarantee of an X number of words a month, like Kendall Limited has a lot of words. Words that none of us will ever be able to write in our lifetime. There's so many books in there. And this is, I get this question a lot from authors. Like, how do I compete with Kindle Unlimited? If my readers are reading so many books a month in Kindle Unlimited and that costs $10 a month, and I'm gonna charge $10 a month, which there's nothing wrong with charging $10 a month, there's authors who charge a lot more than that, and you should get paid for your work because you deserve it, it's worth it. But then how do I judge that worth? And that's difficult, but I think Christopher Hopper said something really interesting in the Facebook group this week that I want to highlight in the podcast because I was going to say an idea very similar to yours, and you said it 10x better than I ever could, Christopher. And I won't paraphrase. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not going to quote him directly. You should go read his comment, which is on a post he made about recent changes that Audible has made to their subscription, which it. Audible now is essentially making books cheaper, and they claim that authors will receive, hopefully— similar royalties, because they will see a net increase in total sales on the Audible platform. And Audible has a right to do this. I'm not saying it is right that they did it. It definitely is, I think, frustrating for a lot of authors. It's frustrating for me that we don't have a say in it, but at the same time, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. I do hope authors end up making the same amount of money they were before. I hope they don't take a hit in their paychecks. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Audible has a very different model than what we have as subscription authors here. And Christopher highlighted this. And he said that we began to kind of have two models to think about, and they're not mutually exclusive, right? Meaning you could be in Kindle Limited and Audible and still have a subscription, but you have one model in which a company like Amazon has prioritized as much content as possible to offer as cheaply as possible to readers. And in the process has squeezed the artists. They have the control at the end of the day and definitely readers enjoy it they wouldn't be paying for it if they weren't but it's just one idea of one experience that can be created what happens if you create immersive incredible concert-like experiences for your readers and he actually mentioned how his wife got paid twenty-five thousand dollars for one single for one single as a musician which is like very hard to do very unheard of nowadays and if you were to do that in streaming you would need tens of millions of streams which ironically to make $25,000 off a book and alone kind of it you would need i believe it's like a million page reads gets you about 4,000ish 5 to $5,000 so we're talking you would roughly 6 million so it's a similar business model streaming and reading now and one that it's very hard to make money in unless you have millions of reads or millions of streams however that's not Jennifer's case how he framed it is that His wife is instead focusing on creating incredible experiences, like concerts, merchandise, special edition records that can get her to have some more money from her work to actually pay back the $25,000 advance she got for that single song. And as authors, that's one way to think about it. And she's not abandoning the streaming platforms. She could still find readers there, But, or I guess... Listeners, readers in our case, but to bring together these industries, I think as we see these changes going forward, the opportunity for authors is that you're not offering what Spotify is at all. You're giving them early access, you're fighting to become their favorite author, not just another author out of a sea of millions. And it is that strategy that Christopher is employing, which I am so inspired by. And it's why I've now mentioned you twice, Christopher. You know I'm a fanboy.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think two separate different things. Like you're not competing with Kindle Unlimited. You're not competing with anyone when you set up your own subscription. You're creating your subscription to give your fans more of a community to give your fans maybe like rewards in order for, for them paying you monthly and supporting you.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree completely. And I want to share a quote from the book, Fans First because it's all about building super fans. And I love this quote because it talks about why fandom and fanaticism is so important. And it says that when you are a fan, you are always a moment away from connecting with another fan. Fandom creates belonging and makes people feel like they matter. And like I said before, nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter.
1: Yes. I love that. Oh my gosh. People want to feel connection. Like when you're, like some people might feel connection while reading in Kindle Unlimited and like connect with other people who are reading in Kindle Unlimited. But when you have a section of the internet just for you and for your fans where people can connect, it's so refreshing. And if the author is like participating in that group or community, people like feel like they're heard and they get to connect with you, the author, who they like. They love these worlds that you're creating and they just want to be a part of it. And if you can make them feel like they're a part of this world in this community, you don't even have to think about competing with Kindle Unlimited because you have these people who are here for you. I just I love that quote so much.
0: It's yeah, I'm a fanboy of the book too. I think this is the thing too about being a fan, right? You it, it feels amazing to love something. To love something. And like now after reading this book like the guy owns a baseball team i'm gonna go travel to one of his baseball games if i can ever get a ticket spoiler there's like a wait list of over a hundred thousand people who want to get a ticket so they there's a wait list for the subscription in his case right now imagine an author what a wait list to join their subscription this is a future that we're going to hit i think in the next few years as we see this industry change and more and more people focus on creating these incredible experiences like at some point an author might realize just like a concert stadium can't fit a million people in one night the biggest stadiums in the world can fit tens of thousands which is insane that's a lot of people but an author might realize once i hit a thousand people in my subscription that's it this tier we already see this authors limit higher price tiers to say there's only gonna be 20 people who are getting this physical goods and i'm gonna spend my time personally packing it with care personally signing these books and writing them a letter, that means a lot to people. You've now created your own concert-like experience, your own baseball game, your own, pick the industry metaphor that you all probably go out and spend money on one of these things. Your readers are willing to spend that money on you. That's pretty cool. And that's why I want to leave off because we bundled problem number five and number six together. Which problem number six was over promise. and it is, but we've connected them. I just want to give on my advice there that if you're overpromising on volume of content, thinking that producing five extra chapters next month will be the difference between you having an amazing subscription and not, that's probably, probably not the way to think about it. In Kindle Unlimited, rapid release can work really well. It's also working less well, it seems like, over time. Three years ago seemed to be the peak of rapid release, but it's still a strategy, right? Writing more content into Kindle Unlimited can work well. But that is a totally different subscription model than what subscriptions for authors. Your subscription is about. Your subscription is your world. And I highly doubt you busting out three nights late in a month to try and get those chapters in at the last moment and feeling like, oh, this isn't that fun anymore, will make the difference in your subscription. But connecting deeper with your readers, turning them into deeper fans by doing these things that we've mentioned in terms of creating a community of belonging, going the extra mile to give a fan an experience they would never get in a place like an Amazon retailer, that could make the difference.
1: Yeah, I agree. I completely agree.
0: It was into problem number seven.
1: So problem seven, which is building relationships with readers. How do I start? And what if my readers in my community are being silent and not Responding to anything I put out. So how do we build those relationships?
0: I wanna say first off, because a lot of times we expect why why is no one responding? But most people won't respond. When it comes to digital communities, and I think a lot of this tracks in the real world, but the data I can share on that is that typically eighty percent of people are lurkers. So they will basically never respond or tell you what they think. Which And there's nothing wrong with being a lurker. You actually probably see this like in the Facebook group, if you're part of Scriptions for Authors, there's a lot of people who are lurkers. and I love you lurkers. There's nothing wrong with being a lurker. And there's a few people who, this number is around 15 to 17 and a half percent. It's a small percentage, a smaller portion are active sometimes. So they might post regularly, right? So think about it, like having 20% of people liking a post is pretty good. That's the people who are engaging. And then you have the two and a half percent. And those are the people who are going to be most vocal. They're going to be the ones who are maybe making the new posts in your reader, Facebook group Who are going to be commenting on every post you create, who are going to be responding to your emails, who are going to be in your subscription inside of ream. We let readers comment inside of your chapters on each paragraph. So they might literally be in those paragraphs commenting. And you might be like, I have 20 people in my subscription and there's like one person here commenting, like one person, everyone else just doesn't talk to me. They don't let me know how it's going. They don't respond to my emails. Like, like. I I'm a failure, which I understand feeling like a failure. I tend to feel like that oftentimes. Oh. We can always be hurt ourselves. It's very easy for us to yeah. feel especially artists when no one's telling us like, hey, like pat in the head, you got an A buddy, or good job, you hit the bonus. There's no like moment where someone pats you on the head as an artist and tells you that. So when you have 80% of people not responding, it's like, what? But just know it's normal. That's like my first big advice is know it's normal. Now I want to ask you, Amelia how you build relationships with your readers?
1: Yeah, so usually I do the early access model. So I'm releasing chapter by chapter through my subscription. And what I usually do is at the end of every chapter, I want to connect with my community because this is like one of the only times I'm connecting with them in my community, in, in my subscription. And so I will ask them, what they think of a specific chapter. It's like it's called an author's note, or that's what I call it. And I leave an author's note and I ask them questions that I know will spark engagement. And even if it's something like, so I'll have steamy chapters sometimes and all I'll say is leave fire emojis to rate this chapter. And sometimes I'll get just like 1 billion fire emojis, like just scroll like forever, just see them. And just simple little things like that will get people responding to you and then the more you do that the more people feel comfortable in their in your community and they'll start responding to each other. So it's not like you're just building the relationship between you and them. You're like inadvertently building relationships between your readers as well.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, that's I love that. And I think serial fiction lends itself really well to that kind of thing. And it's something that I may have mentioned the podcast before, but I get things blurred in my mind that I've maybe said, and that I've like just thought of before. But serialized television has been a form of media that is more effective at creating fandom than pretty much any other form of media. And why that is, you could see it as yourself as someone who watches serialized television. Wait, like that episode ended, oh my God. Like I have to wait till next week till another episode comes out. You're like hearts on the edge of your seat and then immediately you want to tell other people about it and get them involved so that they can experience the same thing as you the next week. And then you bring in your friends, you tell people about it, and you talk about it. Those water cooler moments. Movies don't necessarily have as frequent of those water cooler moments because it's one big movie, one big release. There's exceptions. Most of the exceptions come from the comic book world and our IP derived from that, which is not a coincidence in my opinion. So all these things are just something to take into account, and specifically serial fiction as well. I don't think everyone author should be writing in serialized format. Certainly not every reader reads in a serialized format, and there's many ways to build fandom outside of it, but serial fiction is growing very quickly. And at a recent conference that was at Digital Book World, one of the big serialized fiction companies there mentioned that by their metrics, it's growing 20% year over year in the United States, which is really the whole industry Give it seven or eight years, might change and be a lot more towards serial fiction. We'll have to see if that trend continues, but it's something that is very real. And I just want to mention it.
1: Yeah, I love that. Something else you can do, especially for your more silent readers, is offer polls to get them engaged. I know a lot of my readers, they won't comment, but whenever I put a poll out, they'll immediately be like choosing which option they like the best about something specific. And then if there's any way, maybe you have a survey you're asking your readers, like, hey, how can I make this community better? If you can make that survey anonymous, that's even better because a lot of times people, one, they might want to participate, but they feel weird or awkward. But having like being anonymous, they're more likely to give you honest feedback. So, those are a couple other things you could do. Yeah,
0: I love it. And the only other advice that I would share is that, you know, when a fan communicates with you, the portion that do, I know that not everyone fan will. So, if one fan communicates with you, there's a high likelihood that you have plenty more fans than them, but treat them really well. Respond to their emails, respond to their direct messages, treat them like a real person because that relationship means a lot. And it is those relationships and that trust that you cultivate that ends up forming the foundation of your fandom, and then ultimately ends up forming the foundation of your subscription and your membership. So it's very important to to hold those relationships close and know that it's a long-term thing. How often do you just fall in love and trust anyone in your life in a single day? There's people out there that feel that way. I've met people my day one and been like, oh, you're the best. And maybe there is love at first sight, but not everyone feels that way. So how can you help people who might take some time to warm up to you feel like, oh, wow, this person gets me. It takes time.
1: It does take time. A while. We can go on to problem number eight, which is my subscription revenue isn't growing. Why isn't it growing? And how can I help it grow?
0: Yeah, that's one that I... I feel like, Amelia, you've been running your subscription for three years. Has there been a moment where you've looked like month over month, things have maybe stagnated a bit and you've been like, how did you get through that struggle if that's happened to you before?
1: Yeah, so it definitely has happened to me for my writing specific subscription. And thankfully, I was at a place where I didn't need it to grow anymore. So I wasn't focused on growing it with at least the number of subscribers coming in, but- Currently, what I'm doing is I'm not focusing that much on subscribers anymore. Like subscribers, yeah, I want to build that community, but not the number of subscribers in my community. I'm focusing more on building that community to be the best it could be and offering other rewards at higher tiers that my readers have asked for that they could potentially jump become higher tier members and help my revenue increase that way. So... I've offered basically what people have asked me. So like artwork or stickers and book boxes. And I know like those work very well in the romance kind of world because romance readers like that kind of stuff, but I'm not sure things that you can offer for other genres, but yeah.
0: That's super interesting. Yeah. And that's that with a lot of different authors, I think in their subscriptions over time, they will hit a point where it's I have that core fandom. Now, how can I, give them more, but maybe for someone who is, yeah, it sounds great to be at a point where I am making a good living and I'm happy to maybe focus more on providing those core fans, but let's pretend like you you maybe now have 20, 50, maybe a hundred people, but you're not quite at the point where you're like, my subscription's paying the bills right now. You would like it to grow. I think the first thing is one going, What role do subscriptions play in your current business? Is it most of your revenue? Is it majority of it or is it a smaller portion of it? Because if it's a smaller portion of it and you want to make it bigger, then a lot of it comes down to thinking about how you can bring more of your existing readers over into that subscription, which might be offering books for the completed book for 30 days early access before the actual launch. You could do things like a pay per book model in your subscriptions that readers enter in their credit card information once, and then have a recurring subscription to your future books. There's ways that you can make someone your subscriber and bring more of your existing revenue streams over. But then at the same time, you don't want to take your books down from other retailers. You could find readers in those places. So that's a situation where you want to maybe do a better job at communicating that. Is your subscription in the back of your books? Sounds simple. It isn't for most people. Is your subscription something that is easy to find in your, work? a lot of people it isn't, and then it's, where does this author want me to go? Is your subscription something that when someone comes onto your mailing list, they might get a reminder about it. It doesn't have to be a full email promoing it, but even just a little box that says, I have this thing, I have this membership. I'd love if you could support me. I have this whole section and all these different awards you can get, whatever it is, mentioning it's key. Now, if you're having a problem where you're like, no, Michael. That sounds great. But I have 20 readers in my subscription. I don't know how to communicate with more readers. I don't have sales coming in from elsewhere. I don't have readers coming in from elsewhere right now. I'm like at this point where I'm like in this rocky middle. It's gone well enough to do well, but not well enough to be something livable. That is a tougher. And I'm curious, Amelia, if you have insights. Yeah,
1: that that's very tough. I would reevaluate. If, if you're at that position, I would reevaluate what you're offering because if you're at the in the position where you don't have extra money to spend to like commission an artist to make artwork or commission somebody to make an audiobook that you can offer on your subscription doing like that bonus model is probably not the best form for your subscription something that is like relatively like cheap which is like the early access model might be best and from there, you can utilize a lot of free websites where you don't have to pay to promote, and you don't have to do tons of hard work. You're all gonna be, already gonna be writing the book, so all you have to do is copy and paste it into like Wattpad or Royal Road or Tapas or anywhere where you're where you can write and publish for free. So that's what I would. That's what I would do. That's what I do. Well,
0: that's great. I, that's a great pathway, and to offer complimentary advice to Amelia. I would tell you, if you're in that position where you're like, I want to get more readers in my subscription, but where are they to think about how you can drive the magical thing that makes books and everything really in this world go around, which is word of mouth and not thinking necessarily about, hmm, how can I have a great paid ad strategy or this or that you could do that, could be successful, but I would suggest, especially because subscriptions are built around community trust fandom and the desire to have a connection to you and want to support you. And there's people out there who want to do that, but people might not trust you enough once they hit a paywall to then realize how much they'll like you. You'll love me once you start coming inside my membership, but they don't know that yet. How do you communicate that to them? Instead of trying to tweak your copy or tweak your onboarding emails more, like there's a point of diminishing returns past a certain point. If it's working enough to get 20 fans in and it's working enough to work, then it's maybe you just need to get more people up to the point where that same messaging that was attractive to the first 20 people is attractive to them. And that's why I'd recommend maybe focusing on your free community. Do you have a Discord or Facebook group, a platform that a lot of people use that you're working to build relationships on so that anyone who might not be even a reader of yours yet or never mind a paying subscriber can still see like this author's a real person, they're interesting, I like what they're doing, or we've talked about it before, but you don't have to pose as an author. You could create a social media account as a reader. You could become a VTuber. You could do like tons of different things that you, again, just create an, an awesome experience for a reader. If you were a reader, what author community would you want to be a part of? What authors Kenny Where you'd be like, whoa, this is so much fun. I love this author. And as much as I enjoy reading their books, they're not the only author I read, but every week I'm excited because they do this cool thing in their community or we've had authors who say happy birthday to their readers in their communities who do all sorts of things to just make people feel oh i'm a part of something that would be my recommendation okay so we're on to the last two problems problem nine which is where should i start my subscription where should i have my subscription and i'll just say that you should start if you're looking to get into subscriptions at one particular place, which is the subscription starter guide. I have a link to it down below, but if you read it, I think it has a lot of great insights. And for people who are like, I want to start my subscription, but I don't know where to start it yet. Which platform should I use? Which tools should I use? Me and Amelia have talked about this in prior podcasts, and we'll definitely talk about it a lot more because we've been working on something called Ream, which is a subscription platform for fiction authors. But my recommendation is just read the book. Because inside of it, especially if you would like to use Ream and be one of our early authors, there's a little Easter egg that I'll let you go and find. I'll let you go and find it. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say. So if you've gotten to this point in the podcast, thank you for listening to this point. Be quiet about the Easter egg, because if we get flooded with 500 requests in the Easter egg, because someone somehow leaked the Easter egg online, then the Easter egg goes away for everyone. So just letting you know, be quiet about the Easter egg but if you let us know that you found something cool on a little scavenger hunt, we'd be happy to let you into Ream early. But just to quickly talk about why Ream matters and why we're passionate about Ream, I would consider the best of both worlds. Offloading a lot of the time and effort and annoyance that using a platform that isn't designed for reading brings, for instance, the posting time, the time that it takes to upload books, the fact that readers don't have an e-reader, we solve all of that, but we also give you a greater degree of control. We're here for fiction authors, not for podcasters, video creators, artists, all these sorts of things. And we wanted to create a future where we're not another platform or another retailer, but your platform. And we want to help build a future of this industry or storytellers of the world. That's our mission. That's our motto. And we're really hopeful and excited to maybe have you part of that because that's what we do at Ring. We're launching publicly in May, but you can check out our starter guide that we've released that helps you on your subscription, no matter where you are inside of the starter guide. There's not only a lot of information about just how to run and set up your subscription, but I also share a lot more spicy details on Ream. So that's a great place to check out. And if you're going, still this wasn't enough information, don't worry, we'll be sharing more before our public launch. But if you want to get in early, you can. And starter guides, a great place to start. But in terms of other platforms, You can definitely use other platforms. I don't want to say that you have to only use Ream. I want you to use what works best for you and your readers. Definitely design the place that we think is best, but at the end of the day, what matters most is that you make your readers happy and that you are comfortable with your decision and are able to have ownership of that decision. So I recommend you go to places that give you that when it comes to other platforms we covered it in other podcasts and i cover it in the starter guide but there's places that you can go if you Patreon's definitely a popular one you could do it on your own website you could do it all these different places and the only difference is that on ream you get the benefits of selling on your own website and selling direct but the convenience and power of a real platform built for you as an author but there's definitely other places to go and in the facebook group if you ever have questions about any platforms ream Patreon, Ko-Fi, buy me a coffee. There's lots out there that serve all creators. We're the only one that serves fiction authors. But if you have questions, just it in there. There's people using any platform in the Facebook group, and they all have really interesting insights that might be able to help.
1: Yeah. And I, can, I guess that kind of go, ties in with our last problem. How do I learn more about subscriptions and where do I meet other subscription authors? And I honestly think our Facebook group is probably the best place to go if you're looking to start a subscription as an author for your books or for your worlds that you create. So that's subscriptions for authors on Facebook. Yeah.
0: And this is your first podcast episode with us. You should listen to the past two podcast episodes, episode 20 and 21. 20 is about starting your subscription as an author and 21 is all about promoting slash marketing your subscription as an author. So those could be great episodes to start with us. And then check out the link in the descriptions to the Subscriptions for Authors starter guide. You could go to the Subscriptions for Authors website, and if you sign up for our REAM waitlist on ream.inc, or you go to our Subscriptions for Authors website at subscriptionsforauthors.com, if you sign up for a mailing list, we'll also send you a copy there. This is limited time. It's early access to the book. It will one day not be available. So you should go check it out now because one day it'll be on the retailers and things like that. So... You should get it while we can send it to you and while you could get the cool stuff inside. That's this podcast, everyone. Hope you enjoy. Hope you have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to this one. It was all about the 10 common struggles we face as subscription authors. As always, I hope you have an amazing time writing. And don't forget, storytellers will the world. Thank you, everyone.
1: Yay! <laughs>